In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. We're back. The most exciting part of an offensive scheme. It's offensive tackles. Everyone wants to moan at them. Um, yeah, I, I, this one was bananas. I was playing pool while out drinking with my mate um, when the Conklin extension signed, and I thought it was a fake Schefter. Um, the, this whole position room, hey, it's, it's been pretty wild already, and we're, uh, we're only in February. Bad guy in a little coat. It's bad guy. It's time for the big man on the outside talk. The most controversial thing Brown's Twitter has to talk about right now, that's the current state of our offensive tackles. We got the man on the right who's been locked in with guaranteed money, Jack Conklin, and the other guy, Jedrick Wills, who there's an ongoing debate. Uh, our, our guy, Jeff Lloyd, from Lockdown Browns thinks that the Browns will be declining that option. But, uh, yeah, we move forward in the series. We're Like I said, we're talking about the offensive tackles. Jack, the current state of our offensive tackle room is what? Transition. Uh, they're not committed to anyone beyond, what, 2023, 2024. Everyone's gotten out within two years. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if we go into the 2025 season and no one of the current tackles is on the roster. It, it doesn't shock you because, A, we know that Conklin's aging up. He did get the free agent. So when you talk about going back in a free agent signing, the fact that we signed Conklin, he's had one and a half of his three, I think so far, have been pretty good. Obviously, he missed the one from injury. So we're hoping, as we talked about with that Conklin extension show, that he can get back to being a top, you know, top five, top six right tackle in the league. He's not exactly paid like a top one or two, so let's not put that burden on him. But let's hope that he can get back into that kind of upper tier. Um, but outside of that, inconsistency. I mean, realistically, we we haven't really seen much of Chris Hubbard on the outside so far in a little while. He's more moved in the inside to kind of fill in that guard role when needed. But yeah, it's just it's not shocking because it's been so inconsistent that we don't have any consistent long-term people on the books. Yeah, so we've touched on Conklin. Um, he's here next two years. Here's your right tackle. Um, and that's kind of set in stone. It's done. Um, yeah, they could do some crazy trade, but it doesn't really make any sense. Then we flip to the left side and they've got a decision. Now, Conklin's still under, uh, not Conklin. Wills is still under contract for one more year. So there's two separate things here. After the third player's third season, they can get paid. And as well, they, they can sign or the team can pick up that fifth-year option. Fifth-year option is now fully guaranteed. So to get that number for Jed Wills, we're talking about 14.175 million. So basically 14 million. Um, that's kind of the option of do they pick it up, do they not? And they have to decide it's just after the draft. Um, is the deadline. Um, so you don't expect to see it this side of the draft. Um, so don't be sitting there refreshing each day, seeing if is the decision going to get made. They'll wait most likely until after the draft um, because, hey, 
something could fall into their laps, something could happen. The craziness never stops. So as of today, what percentage chance do you see, yes, they pick up that option? So that, of course, is the question. So I was looking back. So right now, if I pull up guys in the NFL that are left tackles that have contracts that will prevent them from being some form of a free agent in 2023, where do you think $14.1 million would rank? So is this just the average? Because you kind of, well, what I did is I went to uh, over the cap, shout out to those guys. I go to the positions, left tackle and 2023 salaries. Actually, I could go to 2024, but um, either, either way, 2023 or 2024. I'd say it'd be about 10th would be sort of where my guess would be. Yes, that's not even close. We're actually down here closer to 16. So Laramie Tunsil with the highest, and then you're getting down into the $14 million range. Joseph Notebloom, 15.5. Deion Dawkins, 14.8. Taylor Lewan, who obviously is going to get cut, 14.8. Jonah Williams, 12. So if we kick that out even an extra year to 2024, which is when that 14 million would kick in. Now we're talking about Charles Leno, Colton Miller, uh, Ikem Okwanku is about 8 million, the rookie. So we're now jumping from the bottom tier of offensive tackles in terms of contracts to the rookie class, right? So we're right at about that transition. You made this point about Cam Robinson. Cam Robinson, $22.75 million in 2024. And in 2023, Cam Robinson's 22.1. So at 14 million, you're still 8 million below even the Cam Robinson range. So as the cap goes up, I think that percentage, you know, that 14.175 right now, just based on my quick, easy uh, public school education, let's see, we got 14.175 divided by 224,500,000. 8 Oh, I'm so sorry, but we're going to be right around 6%. So 6% of your cap on your left tackle, I I think they do it only because of the security. But in the same sense, I don't think that guarantees that he plays that year with the Browns. There's a very good possibility that if he has a above average 2023 season, they trade him. I mean, there's, there's always a demand for offensive tackles in the league. And who knows, maybe a team looks at it and says, I'll take that 14 because I'm going to move him to right tackle or left tackle. There's plenty of options, but I do think they pick it up because you don't have a high enough pick this year to get a younger guy to come in and develop under him. And while I think there are some options at left tackle in free agency, I just think that right now I'm leaning 60-40 and them picking up that option. Yeah, and no, I think that's definitely a fair um, assessment. I'm, I'm probably about the same. I'm sort of two-thirds yes. Um, and the other thing to keep in mind is, well, could you just tag him next year if he plays really well and you don't decide to pick up the option. Well, that tag at the moment projected by um, over the cap is 24.6 million. So another 10 million more. And the thing is, if you want to force a long-term deal, if you've not picked up that option, that's going to be a slap in the face. And suddenly, hey, you're tagging him to get a deal done. You, you're never going to go that route. So unless he's phenomenal, if he's like, hey, he's not pro, you, you tag him. But you're probably at a crossroads here where you're saying, do you want Jedrick Wills for two more years? Do you want him for one year and he's gone? And that, and that that's kind of the, the choice. It's not one where you can go, hey, we won't tag him. And then 
we'll do a deal next year. Because if you're doing a deal next year, that franchise tag is so high, he's probably going to say, no, nah, I'm good. Um, and he'll go into free agency and get money that way. So at least with the tag, at least with the fifth year option, you can keep him for two years or keep him for one year. If he has a great year this year, you're then going, look, we'll give you a little bit more than Conklin if you want to hang around and hey, 17 and a half mil potentially. And that's one we'll sign out a long term because he played well. Um, you, you can get some deals done. I think that's sort of the key thing to keep in mind that not picking up the option effectively closes the door and who is going to be your starting left tackle next season because Hudson is not ready in my opinion yeah they've, they've already they've already told you that as soon as that Conklin extension got signed they told you that that, that John, think about that that draft class right so if you remember right going in the draft the Browns were picking 10 and the guys that were talked about were Andrew Thomas he went early because they he went they, number four because we lost they make me so much money but what's crazy about that, if you remember right, Andrew Thomas's first year, he stunk. He was he was poo-poo platter. But then he he's done pretty well. Uh, I would say he's had the reverse trajectory of Jed Wills. But either way, Andrew Thomas was one. Then you had Jed Wills, Mackay Becton, and Tristan Wirfs, right? None of those guys at this point, I mean, I don't know. Wirfs is probably the most likely to get an extension. Oh, but, you, I, I mean, Becton's not getting his fifth-year option picked up, I would say no. And I mean, Thomas is borderline, but we'll see. I, I, there's kind of a, a similar situation playing out with three of these guys where Worfs, like I said, he had the injury against the Browns and he's been a solid right tackle. But the four left tackles, I mean, Mekhi Becton didn't make it one season of left tackle and the Jets shipped him to right tackle and draft somebody else for him at left tackle. I'd expect, I'd expect Andrew Thomas to get the bag this year. Um, I think it won't just be an option. He will get extended. Um, he's playing really? really, really well. Um <laughs> 90.3 grade for PFF. Um, it's insane. It was 62.4 first year and then 78.9 and 90.3. Um, obviously, in a much more friendly scheme with Brian Dable, um, you get better coaching and better quarterback play. Your tackles generally look a little bit better. Um, but they were also a more run-dominated uh, offense. So yeah. they, they had the limitations there. But yeah, it was one of those things where you you kind of wondered going in, and after the first year, everybody would have kind of written him off and said, nope, but we'll see. I mean, if Thomas gets a big extension, then that kind of maybe might seal the fate on Wills because you're looking at it going, well, we're not giving you that much money. Yeah, and that that is effectively what the big challenge is. The market will dictate one thing. And with that fifth-year option, you can leverage him into an extension. So what you can do by having that on the table is you can go, look, we're not going to pay you as much as these guys because you're not as good as those guys. But here's the money on the table. Do you want to sign it? Or do you want to play out this final year? And if this year goes badly, you're on a one-year prove-it deal somewhere else, and then good luck to you. And there is so much risk on a player that you can, you have that 14 mil agreed for 2024, plays well in 2023, just get that deal done, whatever the number is, if you really want him around. Because Conklin, realistically, is going to be done after two years, two more years. I can't see him seeing out the length of that career, um, especially with the health issues. It might miraculously recover and be fine, but I'm going to say that's probably done. And then, hey, the, how long has Batonio got? How long is um, Teller going to be around? There, there's moving pieces there. And if they can get average, and that's all he has to produce, average, they're realistically talking about a deal. They don't have a first-round pick. If they have a first-round pick this year, they take a left tackle, and that's potentially it sorted. But 
These are, these are the consequences I, of Watson. Yeah, and I was going to say, I think that's kind of where you're coming into, where you're saying, okay, now we don't really have the ammo to get a top guy. So then you start saying, all right, how do we develop one? I think that was the idea with Hudson. That's why I don't think you're completely out in left field saying that our top pick at 42 may be somebody that they really like, that they're like, you know what, this guy is a year away. You know, when they say, all right, we're going to pick up Wills' option, and then you start looking around and saying, okay, is there anything here? Can I move him? Can I do this piece? But a lot of people think, Jack, and I think there was, I don't know if you caught this, did you catch Brett Veach on the Pat McAfee show? No. So Brett Veach goes on there. A lot of times people think that these moves are something that are planned out a long time in advance. So Veach goes on McAfee and talks about Tyreek Hill, you know, the loss of Tyreek Hill in the offseason. So he's like, he, he comes out and says, at the, the combine and stuff, we're chatting with Tyreek Hill. Drew Rosenhaus is his agent. You know, we're approaching a deal. Boom, boom, boom. We're saying, hey, how about this? How about this? He goes, we, in essence, had a deal kind of in place to extend Tyreek Hill and do the money. He goes, but then the new league year opened. He goes, we didn't hear from Drew Rosenhaus for two days. And we knew. Because he had said it. The Christian Kirk deal got done. And then there was another big price um, I forget who the other one he mentioned, but he said Christian Kirk, Christian Kirk, and another one. Um, it was everyone the was getting twenty million. No, it was the trade. It, uh, what's his name was traded. Uh, um, Brown. No, he was the one he mentioned. Shit, I'm sorry. Either way, but he said at that point there, within that two day window, they knew they were ultimately going to not be able to sign him because the price had gone up so much in a two day window just from the Christian Kirk deal and then the compensation. It was going on in the trade that they knew we're not going to be able to sign him. So he went to Andy Reid and said, Hey, Andy, just FYI, I haven't heard from Drew Rosenhaus in two days. And Andy said, That's a problem. They start then saying, We're going to have to start looking at our trade options. And he goes, Within a day, it pr progressively went from, We don't want to trade him to, We might have to trade him to, We're probably going to have to trade him to, We're going to have to trade him. So they literally, in the course of a 24-hour period, went from trying to extend their superstar wide receiver to trading him within a one-day window. And he was like, we didn't want to have to trade him, but the market dictated that's what we were going to have to do. So when Browns fans hear this stuff, know that over the course of one contract from somebody else or one deal, I mean, look at what Deshaun Watson's contract is doing to Lamar Jackson's contract with the Ravens. I mean, these are the consequences that the league has. No, it's a really, really good point. And um, it, it's just that you've kind of just got to roll with the punches. Um, if the market's there for a guy and you can't pay him, and we can't afford to pay everyone. Um, and that's why I, I didn't really see Conklin getting paid. The minute Conklin get paid, suddenly it's like, whoa, Pochich is gone. Um, and that that is Pochich 100% gone? No. But I'd say there's about an 85% chance he's not re-signing with Cleveland, which is really high for a free agent. Whereas I almost say... There's a two-thirds chance that Walker's back, um, which is like really high for any free agent. It's just one that this stuff is out of your control, especially when you're talking about top, top, top of the market players. You've got a little bit more freedom with a Wills, but if Wills suddenly goes, hey, they don't want to discuss an extension. Hey, you saw it with Baker. You've seen it with Kareem Hunt. You've seen it with Joku. Some of these guys will come around and they'll battle, but at the same time, Money is what talks. They want guaranteed money on the table, and that's life-changing sums. The, the millions are okay, but 
when suddenly you're talking about, hey, it's 15 million a year rather than your rookie deal at four or five million a year, it's a whole nother ball game. By the way, to accurately quote Brett Beach, we went to the combine and we met with Drew Rosenhaus and expressed interest to, you know, sign, we signed him. Let's get him back here. We had positive conversations and left the combine, but a week later, free agency starts. The Christian Kirk deal happens and Devontae Adams gets traded and then the market went to another world. Then there was two days of silence from Drew, and we were like, okay, here we go. All right, we're going to have to get the call here. That's how quickly it happened. So you're right. If Andrew Thomas gets some big, big, big deal, you you could really quick flip the script all of a sudden on your offensive tackle. But we talked about Conklin. We've talked about Jedrick Wills. There's two guys really kind of rounding out, and then we have a couple, like, in your bubble category. We think it's a lock, obviously, that Wills and Conklin are here next year. What's what's in the next buckets after that? So I'd say Hudson's a lock to be here as well. Um, I, I think it's, I struggled to see a route where he's not one hundred percent. He's in my ninety nine percent. I think he's okay. I think he's back um, because you've just got too much of an unknown everywhere else. And he, he's solid. Um, is he great? No, but you're not drafting. What's it? Fourth round pick to be great? Yeah, and, and I'm not advocating for him to go. I'm just saying, is it a hundred percent? Right, that's. I'd say no one's 100%, a slight... but I'd, I'd feel good saying, hey, he's 99% locked. Okay. And, and um, last, we have what, Chris Hubbard? Chris Hubbard's gone, so he's a free agent. He's not coming back. Um, I think that was one where, I don't know if his health never came back to how they hoped, um, but he's not the same player he used to be. Um, wouldn't surprise me if he's struggling to get onto a team, but good luck to him. He had a really, really nice stretch. I think he was at rate like 11th best guard for PFF one year. Um, twenty twenty maybe. Guys, if you're a vet, if you're a team with vets, like and you need a guy. I mean, look, heck, what's the uh, what's their names? Brought Jason Peters off the off the scrap heap to get him out there. The guys older than me, so it's one of those things where Chris Hubbard may lock in and an interior offensive lineman on a, on a veteran team, sign a deal, come in, be able to produce pretty quickly. Um, but there's two other guys. I actually read the PFF most likely to get cut, and it mentioned our guy Joe Haig. <laughs> So I think Joe Haig will be around at the moment because he's got 500,000 of guarantees. So if another team wanted to take him on, it might be one where they look to trade him potentially and say, hey, give us a, a pick swap of seventh round picks in 2025 um, and they'll just move him on because they'll happily let someone else pay that half mil um, that he's guaranteed and give him a shot. So don't be surprised if you see a move there. Um, but at the same time, they must have seen something they liked to pay all that money last year. There was some concussions and other stuff, but you don't give up that level of money. It's not like they gave him a Ming contract. They gave him a, a decent contract. I think it's 2.1 million last year. Um, and then it's two and a half, I want to say off the top of my head this year, but half a mil, that's guaranteed. Um, but it is all tradable. It's not signing bonus that's paid. It's designed in a way that it can be traded. Now, in the event, I, and I don't know his medical, so I'm just, it's pure speculation. Say Hay comes out and says, you know what, guys, I'm not messing with the brain. I'm good. And he retires. What happens to that money if he decides to retire for a so, concussion or head-related thing? Because he's not been paid any of that money. He he, he wouldn't get any of it um, okay, so that because it's off. guaranteed base salary. So he only gets that as the season goes along. Gotcha. Okay. I think the last guy is this Tyrone Wheatley. Yeah, he, he's battling for a practice squad spot. You know what? Come on in, buddy. Come on in. 
So uh, for all of those that didn't know Tyrone Wheatley before our uh, this show, he is a rookie out of Stony Brook. He is 6'6", 265. So that's all I can tell you about Tyrone Wheatley. If he was standing next to me at Target, I wouldn't know who he is. Yep. But we we talked a little bit about it. Obviously, we're going to stick to the to the script. We're not going to talk about the draft pick. But I don't think Brown Sands should be so dismissive of using a maybe a top 100 pick on an offensive tackle. You don't know. So don't be completely shocked. Like I said, we don't know how with all these skill position players on the rise, there could be a guy – you know, last year, I think a lot of people were a little shocked to see the, uh, was it Tyler Smith, the guy from UAB, the one who went to the Cowboys. Uh, I think a lot of people were a little shocked that he went as high as he did. And it's because there's certain teams that are going to place value on these positions. And we talk about offensive tackle as being one where if you can get a pipeline of guys, it is not the worst thing in the world. So if a guy drops and they move up, maybe move up a spot or so to get a specific guy, no, that's for a reason. Because as Jack mentioned earlier in the show, as of 2025, we have zero tackles. Zero. So um, outside of that, free agency trade, is there any real trade candidates that you see? They, it could be some guy on his fourth year that they've moved on. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, no one trades tackles. Um, unless you're talking about big splashes, and we're not in the big splash. Um, and talking unless about you like, want to take on a guy like Kai Becton, which nobody really wants. If you're talking about they have taken the draft pick, it's like, well, lots of people say, hey, I don't want to keep Wills around here long term. Well, if you're not going to invest a high draft pick, what the hell are you going to replace him with? And um, we've got some names that I really like as swing tackles that if they were asked to step up, I'd be happy with them. But at the same time, you're not getting your long term answer in free agency without spending silly, silly money. And we're not in the position to spend stupid like um, Orlando Brown money. Um, And I was just looking at some other tackles from that draft class because those are sometimes where you find the trade potentials. Isaiah Wilson's out of the league, uh, so that's not an option. And Austin Jackson down in Miami has struggled mightily in terms of getting out there to play. So I guess if Miami was trying to dump somebody, you know, you could look at that. But outside of that, going into the the fourth round or the the four-year guys, uh, Tevin Jenkins from the Bears moved to the inside. Liam Eikenberg has been also – very below average down in Miami. So no real options in the trade market. Really, there's not. If there's a guy they go out, it's going to be a guy you likely is a journeyman or a guy you haven't heard of that they see something that is familiar with Bill Callahan's system. So right. that's it. I'm, I'm let's gonna... talk about some free agents because I do think the Browns bring a guy in for this role. Now, Haig's going to be the kicker because if Haig, they are confident is coming back and is good to go, he fills one of the roles. But if not, the door opens. Well, yeah, you, 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 expect, like? you expect to take four guys. So on your Hudson point, there is a really good value here of he might not actually, and you could argue him into the bubble category because if they're carrying four and you've got Wills and Conklin and they sign a guy and draft a guy, suddenly Hudson is in that bubble, probably won't make the roster category, which is a big shift, but that is very, very realistic. Um, so do keep that in mind that, Hey, I, I still put in there, but I can certainly see roots where he's not in that mix. Yeah, and at the end of the day, Jack, if you want to be a championship-caliber team, you're going to have to drive competition at OT3, OT4. And if Hudson, I'm sure he's a great guy. I'm sure he's very nice. He's gone out there and had spurts where you're like, okay, I see a little bit here. But in fairness, he hasn't been playing offensive tackle that long. 
And if he's still developing and I can go out and get a guy that's going to come in and give me a more solid foundation and a better depth piece. That's why I don't say hundred percent, right? Sometimes contracts are like, there's no way he's gone, but I have no problem with them bringing in a guy to fight for his position. Like at that point, we need to, we need to rise the talent level at the bottom of this rock. So we'll do the swings before I throw the wild card out there. Um, You've got both both Broncos actually this year. Um, you've got Cameron Fleming, who's personally my favourite. I think around two and a half million. I think he'd be such a good addition. And then Calvin Anderson. Um, for me, Fleming would be the perfect one because he can play left and right, and I would be happy with him as my left tackle. I'm, I'm not beat the chest of like we've got this position locked down forever. But if you told me, hey, even if we signed him and then Wills gets injured in camp and I'm like Cameron Fleming's my left tackle for the season I'll be like I'm okay with that I'm not looking at that as whole holy cow we're screwed we're going to get pressure on every snap it's going to be a mess so that's one that I, I would certainly be happy with because if you add him you're suddenly like well if someone makes a really nice offer for us on wills during the draft after the draft that you're like actually we will take that because we drafted somebody um we're okay with Hudson and a draft pick and got Fleming we could do this. So I, w- I wouldn't rule that out. It, I don't know what I think of, Cal- of Cameron Fleming. I think he's bounced around enough. I think if I was leaning towards kind of a vet guy, like if I wanted my veteran, because Fleming's 31, he's a little bit older, but I don't know. Kelvin Beecham, Arizona, he's 34. Um, right tackle, Cardinals, obviously – He's going to be a little bit more used to the the mobile quarterback being in Arizona, former Steeler, obviously. So Beecham is kind of a guy that I had written down as kind of your vet option. He would almost be your Hague's gone, Hubbard's gone. He's going to come in. He's a guy you know is going to be able to step right in and be able to give you solid to above average play. So Beecham was kind of the guy that I looked at. I think wherever he's signing, he's probably playing. Um, that would be my one question on that. So I'd expect him to go into a starting lineup. Um, has always been a right tackle. If I need, there is so many right tackles in free agency this year. I looked at the list, and you have to question why you pay Jack Conkin fifteen million when um, you could get Beecham for two, three mil probably. Um, you're almost like, well, do, do you really? Well, because one's it? thirty-four and one's not. That's yeah. if you're the Browns and you're like, hey, I need to give Watson some consistent. Because listen, there's, it's not crazy to think that they keep Conklin around for, you know, he's what twenty-eight, so he's still relatively young. So there is a possibility that you keep him around for a few years just on a different deal. But um, anybody else you want to throw in there? I've got three guys. I'll go with the wild card. You want this to is a, this is the guy I don't. So there's two players out of the whole projection series that I've gone. I've got no idea what he's going to get. Um, <laughs> one was obviously Cleveland Farrell. I think we discussed already on the show. The God, second show we did that off the record. We didn't hit the edges yet. It's, it's off the oh, record for all no. of our listeners. All of our listeners, you know what's coming. Um, the next up is Andre Dillard. Um, the funny part about Dillard, now I was going to tease it, but you beat you beat it in there. So when the Browns were drafting i think like 17 that year i want to say it was like 17 18 dillard was like the favorite for the pick everybody was like we think it's going to be andre dillard we think it's going to be andre dillard um and then 
he ended up the Browns. Let's see. That was the Odell Beckham. So they had the Odell Beckham. That's where everyone traded. Then they ended up taking Dexter Lawrence, and he ended up going to the Eagles at 22. So, yeah, that's the funny thing about Dillard is the full circle in this there. But you don't know how much he's going to get, and we don't really know how good he is. Because the Eagles have this stud offensive line, and he's the odd man out. Yeah, so one of the things he can do is he can be your sixth lineman. If you need him to play either guard spot or tackle spot, he he would happily fill in and do that. Um, it's going to come down to price. If I'm saying, hey, I can get him for two, two and a half mil, I would take the punt just because he can work with Bill Callahan and you've got one year for Bill Callahan. He might have a year of working with him go, actually, why are we keeping Wills around? Dillard could do this now and we can bring him along. And I think it's, is it likely he ends up that player? No. But at the same time, I'm willing to gamble on it when I'm talking about, hey, it, it's my swing tackle, it's my potentially swing guard. Let's see what happens. And he can play at guard fine. I was going to say, that's the thing is the Eagles moved him from left tackle. Then they went out and got Maliata, who they were basically replaced him with. Then they kicked him inside, but then they had Dickerson. So he was kind of your rotational offensive lineman. Um, so it's almost like the Eagles decided he really wasn't a tackle. That was that would be my only concern is if you're saying that the best offensive line quote unquote looked at you and said mm, you're not left tackle material moves inside, but it's it's not like he's been bumped in there for like Desmond Harrison. Malata's played really he's an really well. Freak. Desmond Harrison, athletic freak before he got into assault issues. Um, so I I'd, I'd say it, I'm up for taking the punt. Um. On Dillard, if if the price is less than two and a half mil, I'm like, let's roll with it. See, one year, I'm not committing anything long term to him. Of going, no, two, two and a half. Let, let's see if he's got anything. I think he'll potentially get more than that. In which case, hey, I'm out. Yeah. Um. Are you gonna pound the table for your guy Bobby Hart? I know how much you love him. Not at all. I don't think I've ever pounded the table for Bobby Hart. It's, it's sarcasm. Remember, he was the guy at the Bengals. He was the right tackle. And you're like, I want you to play Bobby Hart every single game you possibly can. Because he was like a turnstile out there. He's like the, the guys in Spain with the red capes. But um, no, ironically enough, when you look at this free agent market in terms of the left tackles, you mentioned about the right tackles just being, you know, a crazy amount of them, right? Obviously, Isaiah Wynn, the former first round pick from the, the Patriots is in there. Um Caleb McGarry, the guy from Atlanta. I'm trying to think who else is in there. Uh, Andrew Wiley, the guy from the Chiefs, is going to be an unrestricted free agent. Uh, Mike McGlinchey. Yeah. So, but left tackles, there's really not as many that you'd quote unquote be pounding the table. So that's the thing about Jed Wills is there's not like anybody they're going to bring in. I mean, Matt Pryor, you know, the 29 year old out of the Colts, he could be a guy they look at if he's willing to take a little bit less. I mean, I think he got was on five million last year. Um, so he's a guy that, you know, could, I'm, I'm thinking of teams where it's likely they're not going back. So what I'm thinking of is if there's any left tackles in that Ethan Posich land where they're like, you know what, I'm going to come to Cleveland because I know they got a pretty damn good offensive line. So if I can get in there, earn some snaps, I mean, Posich signed as a backup. People forget that. Nick Harris got hurt on one play. Well, you're a guy like Matt Pryor, um, the guy, Greg Little out of the Dolphins, you know, he's another guy. There's, there's, guy, there's not a ton here, buddy. There's a guy at the Vikings I would love to run the tires on. Um, he had, we, we're talking small sample here, so before people get too carried away. He, 
he played a thousand snaps in 2021. Uh, a lot of them were at right guard, and then he had um, about 180 snaps at three games at right tackle week 17, 18 in the wild card round. And it's a guy called Ollie <laughs> Udo. Um, that would be a player that I, I'm not. I don't want to guarantee any money to him. I'd be very keen to bring him in um, because if that that's for me, ideally where I want to be for the guys behind a, um, rather than a, a Joe Haig where you're throwing some money at it, you can bring that guy in at potentially the minimum and go work with Bill Callahan. Let's see what you can do. I'm intrigued. Again, I think when it comes to the offensive linemen, I think Callahan and the team sits down and says, hey, who can do these certain things well, especially when we're talking about a backup. So, listen, I, I'm i not going to pretend I know a ton about, you know, Oli Uda. I know he was in Minnesota. I, I've heard his name throughout the league. I haven't broken down. So, if they see something, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the trust in terms of if they see something, they're going to come out and say, okay, hey, we're going to develop this. Uh, the other interesting one, I thought on the right tackle side, if they are looking for, you know, a guy that can kind of maybe play a little bit of that, I don't want to say swing tackle, so to say, primarily, and I don't know, again, what the contract's going to be, but the Raiders are an absolute dumpster fire. This guy at least has played a little bit of right tackle and left tackle, and that's Jermaine Illuminor. Uh, you know, this is a guy who's, let's see, going on, he's drafted 2017 by the Ravens. Um, so he's 28. These are these these third OT3, so to say. So the three guys I have are Illuminor, Brandon Parker, who ironically enough was drafted with a Tyrod Taylor pick, and Brandon Shell out of Miami. Do you have any thoughts on any of these guys? No, no, no one really. Um, I've got that strong a take on. I can probably look down. Hit me with the first one. No, I'll, I'll see what uh, my article says. Jermaine Illuminor. Ah, I Raiders. think he's due to probably take a starting job somewhere. So um, 3.75 mil is what PFF's projecting. So um, if if you needed a right, if we hadn't signed Conklin, he would be top of my list to go and get this year. And I think he'd be fine um, coming in and starting. Brandon Parker, developmental guy, hasn't really done much of anything with the Raiders. Uh, my... He's these are cheap guys. These are guys where, like, again, I don't know what they're looking for out of them, and I don't know if they look at tape and say, "Hey, this guy stunk with the Raiders. He's gonna stink here." I just know he was taken with the Tyrod Taylor pick. He's somebody that was a former third round pick. He's a big guy, six eight, three twenty. Yeah, just to read the comment in my uh, article, just bad. Oh boy, <laughs> just bad. So yeah. I, I think that moves him right up to the top of the list. And last didn't actually play this year. No, he didn't. He was injured. Uh, Brandon Shell, veteran out of Miami. Yeah. Well, fifth round pick from back in the day. I think I'm okay with Shell. So I reckon he's going to be league minimum. Lots of experience. Um, if you aren't sold on Hudson as a swing and want to upgrade him, hey, quite getting cheaper, he could be a nice option for them. So I am all on board with Shell. Um, perfectly happy. I think for me, that that's the kind of guy that I want to go out and get my swing. Um, yeah, if you... If you've drafted someone like a Hudson, say you draft a guy um, this year, date uh, day two, 
does this year as your four. Next year he goes, oh, you might not be ready. You've picked up Will's fifth-year option. We'll have him as a swing because he's swing and then ideally starting the next year. But if you've never got a guy, you don't have to spend money. You can go out, spend league minimum, one and a half mil maybe. You just bring a guy in and it will easily do the job. Yeah, the other thing I think that we can consider, especially in talking about the tackles, the Browns do like to go heavy set quite often in terms of bringing that sixth and sometimes seventh alignment. And I do believe, didn't we have one where we went up to eight? Didn't we have an eight alignment type of gig? Yep. So there, there are opportunities where if you're looking at a guy and you're saying, hey, listen, you're not going to be a complete bench rider. There's going to be probably five or six snaps minimum from this, you know, this heavy set formation that we're going to bring in on. And then if there's an injury, then you, you know, have that option. So it is something where these guys could get on the field. So a guy like Shell, you know, Parker, if you really like that size, I just think that these are the type of guys that you can look at. Maybe guys that haven't worked, you know, if all of a sudden they go and give the league minimum to Brandon Parker, not obviously Shell Parker, I'm talking about the guy from Raiders. And they say, Hey, we're going to give you the league minimum to come in and just see you were a top 65 pick. I mean, there was a reason he was taken that long or that high. And then you say, okay, we saw this at your time with the Raiders. We want you to fix this. A guy with your size and your athleticism should be better. You never know. It, it, it shouldn't be shocking to people if we go out and get these type of guys. These are the type of guys that help rosters because if all of a sudden it clicks and that light bulb comes on, now you've got your right tackle after Conklin moves on. No, and it, it, it's not, it's about not overcomplicating it. Um, get a guy and we'll continue to build. And they want long-term answers here. It's a high-value position for them. They will happily spend picks and assets. Um, but it's, it's going to be interesting. There's going to be lots of change. Um, but I would say, scouting-wise, keep an eye on every single left tackle because if someone's there at 42, very likely could be the pick because the draft is not about 2023. I don't know how much I can tell people. About, they don't 2025. draft. 2025. I would say day, day one picks are about the current season and beyond. Day two picks are about this guy should be a starter next year. And day three picks, it needs to be two years out what you're looking. And can they be a rotational guy next year? Yeah. And just to kind of give people an idea. So I went and pulled up, uh, Dane Brugler just updated his draft prospects. So just looking at guys from, say, like 30 to 50, right? And we're talking about guys, obviously, in the, the Browns range. There's a guy, Darnell Wright, the tackle out of Tennessee, who as 37 is right now on Brugler's big board. An undraftable prospect a year ago, Darnell Wright flipped the script as a senior by moving to right tackle and producing impressive tape, including a standout performance against Will Anderson Jr. So now you're starting to say, okay, well, that these are the type of guys, right? Now I'm not talking, I'm not going to look at guards and stuff like that. It's a waste of time. Let's see. Do we have anybody else on here? This is obviously on a whim. Uh, offensive tackle to Juan Jones, the guy, obviously the Buckeye, the big guy out of the Buckeyes. So it's not, it wouldn't be crazy or shocking for uh, for the Browns to look at that around that pick, especially if there's value there. By the way, the Colts are requesting Jaguars passing game corner, Jim Bob Cooter, best name in football for their offensive coordinator job under Shane Steichen, the former Browns assistant uh, quality control coach, I think he was, so. There it is. Jim Bob Cooter moving up in the league. Right out there out of Varsity Blues. Well, that, so that's the tackle show. Um, at the same time, don't be surprised if they don't add a tackle. 
that that is very much in in the mix of they could go we're we're not going to add anyone they might might add someone like Udo on the minimum that can come in but they could easily do nothing so just just keep that one in check. Well, if you don't, if you, they don't add anybody, you start thinking, well, maybe Haig is a guy, right? If, they, if that's the thing, so all of a sudden they run into it and they say Haig is over Hudson or, or over Hubbard, Hudson Hubbard, all these Haig, all these H's. Um, you go Wills, Conklin, Haig, and Hudson. And then you draft a guy in day three. You know, and there, there is a possibility like that. Maybe they look and tell the guys in free agency, we don't really have a spot here. Because to your point, some of these guys aren't going to sign if you're going to make them, you know, 53-man border, you know, game day decision cuts. They're not going to do that. They're going to want to come in and have the ability to get on the field. So if you're telling mm-hmm. them, hey, it's not going to happen, don't come here, they're not going to sign. And that's the thing. We can speculate about a lot of positions. We're going to speculate on these defensive positions coming up here after we, you know, drop the uh, interior offensive lineman show next week. You're going to know a lot more come free agency when the pieces start falling into place. And that's even before the draft, because we know the certain areas. We can circle certain positions and say, these are the question marks. If they don't put up somebody in that spot, then we kind of know where they're going draft-wise, right? So there are ways to kind of direct focus so to say yeah and it's i'll continue working on my chart um it comes out with guys who are locks the bubble who's on the fringes and that's a really useful piece to go well looking at the draft you're almost thinking what does the roster next year look like so any impending free agents for next off season you're drafting to replace them but at the same time you've got to get them on this year's roster as well so there's no point just drafting for the future and going, oh, actually, we've got three guys that are out of contract next year and now we've got to cut them all. So it's a balancing act. Um, but we'll, we'll continue to move along this decision. Um, off-season continues. Absolutely. So, you know, the big moves, we'll see what they do with Wills' fifth-year option and then see what they do in free agency. But outside of that, I think that's a pretty complete overview of the Brown offensive package. If you don't have anything else to add, Go Browns.